Good afternoon. Uh, today, I want to talk to you, Crossroads, uh, about what it means to be spiritually formed in the image of Jesus Christ. Uh, but before we dig into God's Word and talk about that kind of in depth and at length, um, I just wanted to share a couple of interesting facts that, that I found out and, and, and that I was researching uh, with you, um, things that, that, that maybe, maybe you don't know. Um, did you know that 90% of the media that you consume is controlled by only six companies? 90% of the media that you consume is controlled by six companies. Yes, these six companies have been influencing you from the moment you were born and will continue to do so until you leave this earth. And they are Comcast, also uh, partnered with NBC Universal, CBS, Disney, Viacom, no relation, don't get excited, um, News Corporation, and AT&T, Time Warner. Now think about that, six companies, Comcast, CBS, Disney, Viacom, News Corporation, AT&T, and then sprinkle in a little bit of Netflix influence on what you watch. Sprinkle in a little bit of the influence Amazon has on what you buy. Sprinkle in a little bit of the influence that Facebook has on what you're talking about or sharing. And the influence of Google on probably everything else. Everyone is being formed by something or by someone. Formation is happening all around you, all the time, and it's happening in you as well. And church, as human beings who live in Brooklyn in the year 2021, uh, we're also being uh, formed by the world that we live in. Those in the church do not escape this reality. It is the water that we swim in. A fish doesn't know it's wet because it's swimming, right? But church, I want to ask you today, what about spiritual formation? Where does spiritual formation have a place in your life? Where are you being formed by the Spirit of God and by God's Word? Now, I'm not knocking anything about those companies um, or, or about those things. Um, I, again, we are all influenced and we are all consuming things um, or being formed by things from these companies. So before you think this is a, like, let's beat down Disney sermon, it's not, okay? It's not. Um, but where are you being formed by the Spirit of God? Now you see what I want to talk with you about today. So let's talk about spiritual formation. And we're going to start with a definition. Uh, you've probably heard this definition before from Pastor Will, um, but, uh, but I'll repeat it again here. Spiritual formation is the process of being formed into the image of Jesus Christ for the sake of others. Say it again. Spiritual formation is the process of being formed into the image of Jesus Christ for the sake of others. That definition comes from a guy named Robert Mulholland. Uh, he crafted that definition. Um, in other words, spiritual formation is a lifelong process that begins when somebody comes to Christ, comes to faith in Jesus. And since this is New York City Marathon Sunday, I don't mind using the cliche that spiritual formation is a marathon, not a sprint. It doesn't happen overnight. And before we kind of go any further, I just want to tell you, um, full disclosure, I'm speaking to you as somebody, as a person, who recognizes that I have a long way to go in my Christian life. <laughs> there is much that is unformed, malformed, or deformed, you might say, in me. And it is, and it will only continue to be, by God's grace and by God's power, that I will resemble Jesus more and more each day. 
That is the work of God in me. So I'm not coming to you from somebody who's up on a pedestal far away. I'm speaking with you about these things. Uh, Romans 12, uh, verses 1 through 2, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Notice the two words in this passage, conformed and transformed. They are opposites, and they speak of two opposite ways of life. Um, the scriptures here tell us you can be conformed to the pattern of the world, being solely formed by the world and its teachings and its values and its culture and its ways, or you can be transformed by the Holy Spirit of God who renews you from the inside out. And the outcome of being transformed was actually summed up really well by one Bible scholar. Uh, he wrote this. He said, <clears throat> talking about this verse, he said, as one's mind keeps on being made new by the spiritual input of God's word, prayer, and Christian fellowship, his lifestyle keeps on being transformed. The end goal of the Christian life, church, is to be more Christ-like each and every day, growing into the image of Jesus. Spiritual formation, while it may sound like a big term, that's basically just how it happens. Now, this might sound like good theology, but you're probably wondering, okay, that's a good theological lesson. You know, that's my seminary lesson for the day. Uh, but how does this play out in real life? How does this really matter in the everyday stuff? And for that, I want to talk to you about the way of Jesus. We can look to Jesus Christ for the answer to this question. There are four practices that I want to share with you today that God uses to form us into the image of his son, Jesus. And by the way, these were all modeled for us by Jesus himself. They are prayer, Bible study, community, and serving. And so we're going to walk through these one by one. Let's start with prayer. Prayer is time spent abiding with God the Father. Prayer can include things like talking to God, listening to God, spending quiet moments with God, as well as, and this is what I think most of us do when we, or think of when we think of prayer, interceding for others, like praying on behalf of other people, um, or making requests to God or of God. All those things can, can, can be included under the umbrella of what prayer is. And Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, he says about prayer, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Speaking of Jesus, Jesus prayed to his heavenly Father regularly. Um, he never missed a moment to abide with his Father. Jesus recognized that prayer was forming and equipping him for the ministry that, that, li that lied ahead for him. This is why at Crossroads, we also emphasize the importance of prayer. Um, we say at Crossroads, prayer is not something you just do in preparation for the ministry. The practice of prayer is the ministry. Um, it's forming you into the image of Jesus. Prayer is something God uses to form you into his image. Um, Prayer, another way to say that, and you'll hear this repeated uh, several times, um, prayer is not the point of prayer. Prayer is not the point of prayer. We don't pray just to check the box and say, okay, we did it. <laughs> That's not the point of it. Prayer is something God's using 
to form you into the image of his son. And again, we see Jesus do this. Um, there were times in Jesus' ministry where there seemed like to us, if we were, you know, we read the Bible and we go, well, man, if I was Jesus, I might have handled that different, you know. And, and, and we see opportunities there where there was this pressing need or this urgent, seemingly urgent thing happening. And Jesus would retreat and go to pray. We look at that and we go, what? But Jesus recognized that prayer is forming and equipping him for the ministry that lies ahead. Uh, the second one, Bible study. I'm going to spend a little bit of time here. Bible study. Bible study. God has given us his word as a means for us to know him and to be formed and to, shape, and to be shaped into the image of his son. What a gift it has, church. What a gift it is for us, church, to have the Bible in our own language. There are many people in many parts of the world that do not have that luxury of having the scriptures in their own language. And uh, if you've been at our church, if you've been at Crossroads for more than uh, five minutes, uh, you know that we hold the scriptures in high esteem. We hold the scriptures to be God's inerrant, infallible word. We believe the Bible does not have any errors or mistakes. Uh, we believe that the Bible is God's word uh, to us from God for our benefit. <laughs> and the reason that we have Bible studies at Crossroads is because we believe that studying the scriptures is vital to the Christian life. It's a very important thing that we should do. But I'll say it again. Bible study is not the point of Bible study. Um, I'll give you a scripture to back that up in case you're going like, whoa, that's, that's different. Um, Proverbs, in Proverbs 4, it says, uh, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep them within your heart. Bible study doesn't end when we close the Bible after Bible study. We are to keep those things in our heart. We are to meditate on those things. Uh, church, if we study the Bible because we think that simply knowing more about God will lead us to spiritual growth, then we miss the point. The point is not just to know more about God. Knowing more about God Knowing more theological words or concepts, knowing more great facts of the Bible, those are, those are fantastic side effects of Bible study. Those are great side effects. Like every time you get a medication, you look at the label and, and you're like, oh, this medication, uh, you know, helps my cold virus or whatever. And then, and, and then you look at it and you start reading the side effects and you're like, man, that's a lot of extra stuff I'm getting along, along with it. You don't take the medication for the side effect. You take it to do what it's supposed to do. Bible study is not the point of Bible study. But the side effects are, are great. The point of Bible study is not to accumulate a bunch of facts about God or to think that, hey, if I know more large, tricky, $20, $100 theological words, um, that I'm automatically going to grow in holiness. That's not the point. That's not how it works. I'll give you an example. Um, seminary students, people that go and, and get master's degrees in theological education, we are the worst at this. I'll tell you why. We are the worst. I'll give you an example. Now, when I was in seminary working on my master's degree, the faculty would always caution us against this. They would say, do not just learn theology, church history, hermeneutics, which is, again, a fancy word. It means how to study the Bible. Um, apologetics, again, fancy word, how to defend your faith. Um, with an academic mind only. Don't learn those things with just an academic mind. Why? Because then we would begin to treat these areas just like the same as math, 
science, literature, uh, just like we did in grade school. We would learn concepts, we would memorize dates, right? Anybody in history class, you memorize a lot of dates, right? We, we would do those things, um, but we wouldn't be changed by those things. We would learn about God, but we wouldn't worship God as we were doing it if we just went about it academically. We would learn about God, but we wouldn't be driven to live in response to what we've learned. In other words, we would fail to be formed and shaped by God, even though we studied about Christianity day and night, literally. Don't make this mistake, my professors warned. They said, don't make this mistake, because knowledge does not equal growth, holiness, or spiritual formation, even though it's really tempting to think that it does. Like, man, if I just know more, if I just know more, if I just know more. Instead, what God's Holy Spirit wants to do, God's Holy Spirit wants to form you and shape you into the image of Christ as you study the Bible. Bible study is great. It's awesome. We do a lot of it here at Crossroads. Um, it's fantastic. But it's a practice designed for you to know God, not just know a lot about him. And as we study the scriptures, this is why we say things like, hey, when you're studying the Bible, you should be asking questions. What are some of those questions? One of them might be, well, how does this scripture change the way I relate to other people? So when you read the Bible and you read a passage that talks about loving your neighbor as yourself, it's not just like, oh, yeah, God said that. It's like, no, well, like, how does that change the way you relate to who your neighbor is, the people next to you? Right? Um, how does this change the way I hang out with my friends? How does this change the way I relate to my coworkers? How does this change the way I speak to my spouse or my kids? Or how, how does this change the way on what it means to care for my parents? Um, another question, what am I learning about God that will grow my desire to worship him? So when you read something in the scriptures and you learn something about God from reading that, the question should be like, okay, wow, like in what new way can I worship God now that I know this? Um, another question we tell you to ask, we say, in what area of my life is the Bible telling me to change? That'll get you, that, that'll get the rubber to the road, right? Amen? In what way is this Bible passage telling me to change? And then lastly, kind of the overarching question, we should always be thinking about, hey, how is God forming me through the time that I'm spending with him in his word? It's a living word. It's a, like, we believe that. It's a living word. How is God forming me through this time? That's what Bible study is all about. Community. Community is the next one. Community. Um, we've said this before. You've heard me say this. Christianity is not a solo sport. It's not a solo sport. Human beings, yes, even the beloved introverts among us, <laughs> we were created for community. Listen to just a small sampling. I'm just going to throw a couple verses your way. That, just a small sampling of what the Bible says about community. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. 1 Peter 4, 8 through 9. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. I love that, without grumbling. Don't grumble at your fellow church members. Uh, Galatians 6, 2. Uh, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Um, church, being in a godly community helps to form us in the image of Jesus. 
And God uses other believers in community to hold us accountable in our relationship with Jesus. God uses other believers in community to show us what following God looks like, right? There's other people in this church that can show you what it looks like to follow God as a parent. They're out there. Uh, there's other people in this church that can show you uh, what it looks like to follow God as a school teacher. Uh, there's, uh, there's people in this church that can, that, that can show you what it looks like to follow God as a coworker on part of a team. Um, God uses other believers to do this in us, to form this in us. Uh, this is one of the beauties of the church. This is one of the gifts of the church that we have. Um, and, and lastly, God uses other believers to become close friends. Did you know there's stats out there about how few friends adults make in life? <laughs> and they are sad stats. I don't have them all here in front of you, um, but just do a Google search, like stats on like guys making friends. Like it's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> like like we're, we're not very good at this on our own. Um, but God uses other believers in the church to become close friends who can rejoice with you when you need to rejoice and who can weep with you when you are weeping. And Jesus, by the way, was in community with his disciples. He had great community. Jesus, Jesus led the best small group out there, <laughs> all right? We have awesome groups at Crossroads. We have really awesome groups. We have awesome people that are in those groups. We have awesome leaders that lead those groups, but that one was, was pretty good, okay? Jesus, who did not need anyone to help him accomplish all that he had to accomplish, he was capable of that on his own. He was still in active community with others during his life on earth. He made it a priority. Jesus had friendships with people. He ate with people, drank with people, rejoiced with people, and weeped with people. Jesus did all of those things. But again, like we said before, with prayer and with Bible study, community itself is not the point of community. Christian community, the fellowship of the believers, is for our spiritual formation, for our spiritual growth and health, to help us grow in Christ-likeness, to grow into the image of Jesus. Um, and by the way, when you put yourself into that community, this is, this is kind of like what it is. Like, like you put yourself in the community, it's kind of your way of saying, like, hey, uh, I'm here <laughs> trying to grow in my Christ-likeness, and I want other people around me who want to grow too. Like, that, that's what I'm doing. So when I'm joining a group at Crossroads, um, or when I'm part of one of our communities uh, that we have, whether that's young pros, or parents of kids, or parents of teenagers, um, like, hey, I'm, I, I'm just trying to grow in Christ-likeness, and I, I want to be around other people that want that. That's what it is. And by the way, if that sounds really intimidating to you, I get it. <laughs> but here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that every hangout secretly like morphs into a Bible study. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that every hangout's like, oh man, we're gonna like seriously sneak in this like hardcore spiritual like, you know, debate. Like, in a, like that's not what it means. All right? If it sounds, if you're like, man, I don't know about that. Like, no, it's not that. It's not that. Just hang out with people at our church. You'll see. It's not that. Um, but instead, here's what it does mean. It means that you build a good, solid, meaningful relationship or relationships with other Christ followers who can then point you to Jesus when you need to be pointed to Jesus. That's what it means. It's like you got people that are going to tell you when they need to tell you and what they need to tell you. And you're going to be that person for other people. And that's a beautiful thing. The church is actually like the only place <laughs> where that kind of community can be found, right? 
And here at Crossroads, we have groups. And yes, we even have groups that are called communities <laughs> because we recognize um, uh, that, that that's what it is, that that's what's happening. And that can be a place for you. Uh, lastly, serving, serving. One of the best ways to be formed into the image of Jesus is to serve other people in Jesus' name. The command to become a servant is actually one of the direct commands that Jesus gives his followers. Um, Mark 10, uh, verse 42. And Jesus called them to him. That's, so that's his disciples. He called them to him and he said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. For whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, Jesus is talking about himself, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Church, how radically different is that message than the message of the world? What Jesus is saying, he's saying, hey, being great in the kingdom of God means not seeking greatness for yourself. That's different. I don't know if you've like walked around recently, but that's like a very different kind of message than, than, than what we often hear, right? Serving is so cool because serving teaches us to put aside our own interests for the sake of other people. This is not natural, by the way. <laughs> Don't know if you know this or not. I don't know if you've lived long enough. I think you have. That you know that this is not really like how it normally goes. Um, put aside your own interest for the sake of somebody else. This is a lesson I try really hard to teach my seven-year-old daughter all the time. We're working on it, like all the time. <laughs> but it's a lesson that many Christian adults don't seem to get either. Our own needs, our own comforts, our own preferences, it's okay to have those. But they must be set aside when we're being formed into the image of Jesus Christ. If we're going to allow God to like do his work, right? I love that we have a diverse church. I love that about our church. But sometimes we got to set our own needs, our own comforts, and our own preferences aside, right? To, to be able to move in the direction that we feel like God's calling us to move, right? Every song that we sing might not be your jam. <laughs> okay? But that's okay. It's fine. Um, we got to learn to set those things aside sometimes, right? Um, again, serving is not the point of serving. We don't serve to check the box and say we did it. We don't serve to feel good about ourselves. Uh, we don't serve to assuage some kind of guilt that we have or, or to like ease a little bit of guilt we have because we feel like we failed somewhere else. It's not why we serve. We don't serve just because we have pity on ourselves or pity on somebody else. Like That's not why we serve. Uh, we serve because the Savior served. We serve because he called us to be servants in his name. That's why we serve. And by the way, what an honor and a privilege. Last time I got up in front of you, I said something along the lines of, hey, here at Crossroads, we don't guilt you to serve. You get to serve. <laughs> something like that. Like, it's an honor. Jesus is the king, and we get to serve the king. It's an honor and a privilege. And while we serve... Something happens. We become formed into the image of Jesus. Now, some of you, there's two types of people out there, I think. Two types. Some of you, especially if you are, I'm going to call this the checklist type. 
The checklist type. I see a couple heads nodding, a couple hands. Yeah, the checklist type. Um, by the way, if you're the checklist type, you should probably know you're this type. Uh, if you're unsure, ask the person who came with you today, and, and they'll tell you if you are. Uh, if you came by yourself, uh, go ahead and set a reminder, and then you can set it on your phone, and you can ask someone later. If you're setting a reminder, this is you. Some of you checklist people, or if you're really into math, you think there's like this equation out there in Christianity. You think there's an equation that goes something like this, like A plus B plus C plus D equals spiritual growth. So let's fill that in. If I pray every day, if I study the Bible, if I join a group, and if I just sign up to serve somewhere at church, then I'm just going to automatically grow my faith. Automatically, it's just going to happen. I, I've checked it. I've done it. I, I, you know, I, I did it on time when Kyle told me, like, 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 like this, like, it's going to happen. That's wrong. Those aren't bad things. We just talked about how great those things are. They're great things. They're not bad things. They are not bad. But just checking the box with these four things will not automatically lead to spiritual growth. If your reason for doing these things is just to do them, again, if the point of it is the point of it, if, you're, if your reason is just to do the things or just to check them off the list or if you view them as like, hey, this is a magic, be a better Christian list, um, magic wand I can wave and, and this is going to make me a better Christian, then here's what's going ha to happen. You're going to find yourself constantly worrying if you have done enough to grow in your faith. You're gonna, it's going to be on your mind all the time. Because you're going to say, man, I'm doing every single thing like I thought that's what I had to do. And isn't this why some of you are always checking the barometer of your faith, going like, okay, all right, um, man, Tuesday was a fantastic day. Tuesday was a great day. Uh, got to read my Bible. I, I, I got to pray five times, like, throughout the day, and, and it was really great. Um, you know, I was nice to somebody, like, you know, this is great. And then the next day, it's like, oh, man, like, I didn't set my alarm, and I got up late, and I was, like, running to the train, and then it left, and the conductor shut the door and waved at me, you know, when it took off out of the station, and, like, I was angry, and I said some things I shouldn't have said, and, you know, um, man, I, I didn't even get to read my Bible. I must be totally lost. <laughs> or, like, you might say something like, man, like, I'm, you know, I really like this Bible study I'm in, but, man, if I could just join two or three more, <laughs> Bible studies, like, man, if I could just just get in those other groups, like, uh, uh, man, that'll be the ticket to my growth. If that's you, if you've been there, if you know what that feels like, here's what you need to hear today. You need to view these things, prayer, Bible study, community serving, you need to view those things as tools in the Holy Spirit's hands that are designed to form you into the image of Jesus. That's what they are. Those are tools in the Holy Spirit's hands designed to form you into the image of Jesus. And by the way, the tool is not the finished product. You are. The tool is not the finished product. You in glory with Jesus is the finished product. That's what God's fashioning. That's what he's shaping. Now, I told you there were two types. The other group. Others of you think, hey, my faith that's a personal thing between me and Jesus. It's, it's, it's between me and Jesus. It's me and Jesus. I don't need to do anything else or be involved in anything else. Um, you know, prayer, Bible study, that's, that's for, like, you know, Christians that aren't as busy as me. Um, you know, 
like being a part of the church, like that sounds like there's a commitment thing to that. And I'm not really a commitment person. So, you know, that's, that's, you know, serving other people again, you know, I'll do it when I can, but it's not like really a priority. Like, but, but my faith, it's me and Jesus. Like I know Jesus, he knows me. We're good. Um, let me ask you <laughs> if that's you. Let me ask you, what's your plan to grow in Christ likeness on your own? What's your plan? Let me also ask you, just think about this. Is that how Jesus, the same Jesus that, that you say you're following, that, that you're cool with, the same Jesus, is that how Jesus lived his life? Is that what he did? No. Jesus was in community. Jesus had the 12 disciples, and he had a much larger group that knew him. Jesus spent time in prayer regularly. It was a priority for him. Jesus served many people. Many people were served by Jesus. And he knew his Old Testament pretty well, too. He knew the word. Remember, the church is also the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. Saying you love Jesus without loving his church, which is in the scriptures described as his bride, would be like saying this to me. I'm a married guy. If you came up to me and you said, hey, Kyle, man, I really love hanging out with you. But your wife, Colette? Yeah, I don't really like ever want to hang out with her. She doesn't like add a lot to like, you know, our friendship or like, you know, what we have or, you know, anything like that. Like, like, but I love hanging out with you. Like you're, like, you're good, but like, you know, if you want to bring your wife, like that's not, you know, that's not really going like, to do anything for me. <laughs> Just letting you know right now. If you say that to me, we're not going to be hanging out much. I'm not hanging out with you. If this is you, here's what you need to hear today. The way of Jesus involves rooting your life in his church. You need to hear somebody say in the kindest, most gracious way, stop dating or flirting with the church and put a ring on it. You need to hear somebody say, hey, why don't you consider becoming a covenant member of Crossroads, joining a group, praying with us, and serving Jesus with us here in his name in Bay Ridge. That's what you need to hear. So remember, prayer is not the point of prayer. Bible study is not the point of Bible study. Community is not the point of community. And serving is not the point of serving. So now you might be thinking, Okay, so what's the point of all this? <laughs> I just told you four things that it wasn't the point of. What's the point? Let me tell you this. The number one question that most Christians ask at some point in their life, or maybe they ask it at multiple, um, no pun intended, crossroads in their life, like, 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 like maybe, maybe they ask it at multiple points. It's probably the number one question like uh, I and other pastors have said we get asked is this. People ask, what is God's will for my life? It's a very common question. If you've ever asked that, you, no shame. No shame in asking that question. It's a very common question. It's the most common question I feel like Christians ask. Um, that's a great question. I love the heart that's behind that question. Um, that's a heart that wants to put Christ first. That's a heart of somebody that says, man, I want to live according to Jesus' words, according to his ways. Um, but church, I've heard it long ago from another pastor, and I've said it to you uh, before. 
although I think it's been a while, if you're asking, hey, what is God's will for my life? This is the answer that, that, that sometimes I'll give or, or I think is probably the best answer on it. It's this, you have to be the will of God before you can do the will of God. You have to be who God is, is creating you to be. You have to be in that process of spiritual formation before you need to worry about doing God's will. God is committed to forming you to be, he's committed, church. He is committed in a way that your friend that dipped out on brunch is not. But he is committed to forming you to be like Jesus. God is committed to that. Um, he's, he's, he's committed to forming you to be like someone, like his son Jesus, not just to do something. So I can say this with a lot of confidence to you. God's will for your life, okay? You hear it here. You're coming with a question. Hey, what's God's will for my life? God's will for your life is to be conformed into the image of his son Jesus. That's God's will for your life. And that means that if you've never received Jesus, Christ, uh, Jesus Christ's gift of forgiveness, if you've never received that, if, you, if you've never received uh, the grace that he offers to you, his gift of forgiveness of sin and eternal life, that is your first step in spiritual formation. We talked about spiritual formation. That's your first step. You must belong to God before thinking about doing something for him. <laughs> Jesus Christ has paid the penalty for your sins. He's, he's, he's paid the penalty for your sins, uh, for your neighbor's sins, for my sins, by dying on the cross. His body was broken, his blood was shed as a once-for-all sacrifice for sin. When the entirety of God's wrath was poured out on Jesus on the cross, he declared, it is finished. And he gave up his spirit. And the Bible tells us on the third day, Jesus rose again to life, and now he extends his hand of forgiveness. He extends the offer. He says, forgiveness of sin and eternal life is available for you if you believe in me as Savior. That's what Jesus says. And the Bible says in Romans 10, 9 through 10, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And so if you're here, if you're tuning in online, uh, however you are with us today, if you've never been washed clean by the blood of Jesus, you can experience that today. Simply pray to him from your heart. Uh, repent. That, that's a church word. I'll define it. Repent means turn away. All right? You're living in a life of sin. It says turn away from sin and turn back to God. You can pray to him. You can repent, turn away from your sins. And you can confess Jesus as Lord. And God will save you. And you can ask God in a prayer, no matter where you are, where you're tuning in from, you can ask him to save you and to form you into his image. The journey of spiritual formation for you can begin today, right in this moment. And church, uh, you, when you came in today, you received one of these. Um, each week, we partake in communion. Now, why do we partake in communion? It's an act of worship, yes. It's also an act of spiritual formation. We do this to remember Jesus' sacrifice for us on the cross. We remember through the representation here of his uh, body represented by the cracker uh, that was broken for us and his spilled blood uh, represented by the juice here uh, that, that was spilled out for us. When you're in there today, you picked up one of these. Um, uh, it's a prepackaged version. 
If you're a believer, this is the time for you to take of the bread and drink of the cup. This is the time to confess your sin to him. This is the time to remember what Jesus gave for you to be saved. And if you're not a follower of Jesus today and you're here, we would ask you that instead of receiving the bread and the cup today, you consider receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. This involves repenting, turning away from your sin, believing that Jesus has done everything necessary for you to be saved. And you can tell him in a prayer right where you are. Paul, in, in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, in verse 23, he says this. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Church. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Church, you may take of the cup. Now, church, this is a time of response. So Josh is going to begin playing, and the team's going to begin leading us. You can respond through singing. You can remain seated where you are if you'd like to pray. However you need to respond, now is the time. And in a moment, they'll begin leading us through worship through singing.